0: we have a very special guest joining us, Doug Coleman. Doug has over 30 years of experience in Mexico in mineral exploration, operations, management, business development, and joint venture relations. He's the founder of the Mexico Mining Center, the largest digital media platform for the Mexican mining industry. And he's the co-founder and organizer of the annual Discoveries Mining Conference, which will be held this year from October 5th through the 7th in Hermosillo, Sonora. Thanks again for joining us on the rocks. Let's dive in. Well, Doug, thank you so much for coming on The Rocks today. How are you doing?
1: Everything's going fine here. It's nice to see you again, Emily.
0: Yeah, you as well. I know there's a bit of a time difference. So what are you drinking today?
1: Well, yes, that's a little unfortunate because I understand you have a, a something a little bit more refreshing than I do. But it's only 1130 in the morning here. <laughs> so I have a, a Starbucks latte.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I always try to pick a like a cocktail or a bourbon or a whiskey that's thematic for our our talk. So I actually found a Mexican whiskey um, to drink today. I don't know if you're if you're a whiskey drinker, but Abasolo. I'm not sure if I'm gonna say this right, but the distillery is at the, at the um, in Jalotopec, the Abasolo, in like Mexico State, hmm. and it's made with Mexican corn grown there in the area, and it's distilled in copper pots.
1: Well, um-
0: so it's even got a a, a mining connection, but yeah, Abasolo and I opened it, and I was like, "Huh, this will be interesting." It doesn't even really smell or taste like whiskey, but it's it's nice. It's smooth and really really light. It's not dark at all.
1: Well, it's a, supposedly there's a, a an agreement where uh, tequila cannot be distilled in the United States and whiskey cannot be distilled in Mexico. Oh, really? So uh,
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. I had no idea
1: somehow whether they got around that uh, that but that's interesting I'll have to look that up
0: yeah and there was one other one other company that I saw but it wasn't like carried in the stores here but the was available here in here in Florida yeah abasolo whiskey of mexico and it's hundred percent ancestral corn whatever that means
1: well yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> good good marketing well, um but I'll
1: send you a bottle of uh sonora and uh, bacanora oh okay that that would be good for you in fact I was thinking I was adding a shot of that to my coffee this
0: morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a uh, local variety of tequila. It's actually got a much more uh, pungent smell and and a stronger tequila flavor than the standard tequila. Yes, it's a different type of agave. It's a small uh, native plant that has long, thin leaves, Mm. and it's made with uh, copper stills, just like uh, you would with any other distilled liquor and uh, It was illegal for a long time. They just made it legal over the last five years. Most of what's sold in the stores, though, isn't very good. You have to still go out to the ranches and and find the homemade stuff.
0: Can you do like tequila tours like you do in Wine Country or or the Bourbon Trail? Do they do tequila like distillery tours?
1: They do in Jalisco. Mm. That would be an idea for the Sonorans to do a Bacanora tour.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have to have drivers that are willing to drive people from one to the other, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we can do that with our uh, mining services company. Oh,
0: they're going to expand into, <laughs> into the, the the alcohol tour business.
1: <laughs> just just a just a small promotion there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that absolutely. But um, it's kind of fitting that you're drinking a latte because I know you have just been off the charts busy for the last year. I mean, the mining business in Mexico is through the roof. And I mean, I can certainly attest to that with our parent company, Analog Gold. Things have gone really, really well in Mexico. Despite COVID and and everything going on, the industry seems to be doing really well.
1: Yes. uh, I think this uh, we're at the start of a major boom, and it certainly does look like it has some legs to run on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the uh, green energy movement, of course, is making uh, an enormously increased demand for uh, copper the lithium is uh, the most the most famous uh, mineral that's uh, gaining popularity right now. But all of the batteries, the wiring, the uh, alternative energy like uh, wind power or solar power, you name it, uh, it requires much more copper than anything else. Yeah. And uh, right now, uh, Mexico is well endowed with copper deposits. And I was just uh, speaking to a uh, colleague this morning about that. And uh, there's a large number of copper deposits in Mexico that were explored in the past that I believe have simply fallen along the wayside for one reason or another. And I think they're definitely uh, good, excellent potential projects that should be picked up again now.
0: We'll be sure to send them all my way. Don't tell anybody else which ones oh. they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, and what do you think it is about Mexico that's attracting so much interest and, and so much activity?
1: Well, number one, it's the uh, rich uh, variety of mineral deposits that are here. It's the number one silver producer in the world, of course, but it's also within the top ten producing countries in the world of gold, of uh, zinc, of uh, there's a, there's a large number of elements here. Uh, it's also number one producer of fluorite. It's one thing that a lot of people forget about. Yeah, but uh, that's an important component of air conditioning units worldwide. I didn't know that. Yes, the, yeah you know, they use the fluor and then. And so there's a lot of uh, industrial minerals here as well. There are good coal deposits in Coahuila.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have graphite deposits in Sonora. There's barite here as well. Uh, and so it's not just the precious metals, but also the industrial metals.
0: With everything that happened with COVID over the last year, I, I certainly see it within the supply chain, companies are trying to onshore or maybe nearshore. Their supplies. Do you think that's helping Mexico in a way that maybe companies in the U.S. or Canada that were buying raw materials from across the globe are now looking to get those from Mexico instead?
1: Well, uh, Mexico, the mining is a worldwide industry, and uh, and uh, Mexico is being one of the number one mining countries in the world. I know it's at least within the top five for mining investment. Mm -hmm. It produces the uh, minerals needed worldwide. So uh, of course it's nice to have. uh, Suppliers that are nearby, but I don't think it's actually necessary. And uh, right now, there's a lot of uh, demand for iron ore, for example, and uh, we're receiving calls, multiple calls per week from uh, Chinese purchasers of iron ore. There's really not too much involvement of Chinese in Mexico, surprisingly enough.
0: Yeah, because I mean, they're certainly they're certainly active in other countries in like, Central and South America, right? But not not so much in Mexico.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what the reason is. I know they pretty much control the mining in, in Africa and in most of Asia. But uh, in Mexico, uh, they, they have a presence, but it's not such a big presence.
0: Well, and I know um, certainly the appeal for me of Mexico is partly proximity. And I always say that, you know, with our, our analog mine in Sinaloa, you know, you can fly a direct flight from Texas. Into Mazatlan, right, which is a nice beach resort town. Sure, have a fruity cocktail on the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Drive in, you know, visit the site and and be back in time for dinner. I think you know that that ease of of getting to the site and you know a, there's a lot of infrastructure in Mexico that makes it easier. I think in these in these times to to bring stuff into production too.
1: Well, that's true. Uh, you know, it's one of the beauties of the country is you can have a. Uh a world-class mining district within 40 minute drive of Mazatlan, for example. Yeah. And then if you drive just another couple of hours, you're back in the wild West where you're completely in the remote, uh, Sierras of the Sierra Occidental. Mm. And, uh, we're in fact, uh, working right now on a project, which is a world-class copper deposit called Santo Tomas with Oroco Resource Corporation. Mm-hmm. And it's in probably one of the most remote rugged locations of Mexico. It's, uh, right on the corner where uh, Sinaloa meets with Chihuahua and Durango.
0: And is part of that, the the remoteness and some of the challenge of development, what led you to, you just recently started your own mining services company?
1: Essentially, it was just finding a way to make a business out of something that we were already doing for years. And uh, with our position uh, online, with our uh, contacts uh, being organizers of a major conference, we have all of the connections and the people And our our reason for being is actually to uh, connect people. We're connectors. And so uh, we've been doing that for years. And then just recently, we decided to make it into a business. And it's turned into a a booming business, even though we're barely just getting started.
0: Yeah, because there's so much demand for it, I'm sure.
1: Yes, there's a lot of demand. Uh, Most of what we do has been made possible because of the internet. And uh, we have a large presence online. And... uh, new companies, anybody interested in mining in Mexico, uh, eventually comes to our door. Nearly every person that I speak to on every phone call during the day uh, needs something. And uh, I can usually provide that. (laughs) So...
0: uh, Well, including including me and Prospector, right? I mean, I came knocking on your door because we wanted to do an AI product for Mexico. and, And you had a huge data set, right, of all the activities going on in the whole country. And... In full disclosure to the listeners, you know the uh, Doug and the Mexico Mining Center worked with with Prospector to put together a huge interactive AI um, enabled map of uh, lots of prospective areas in Mexico that's on the Prospector platform, and that was so cool because you guys, you and your team, you're tracking what every company in the country essentially is doing at any given time.
1: Yes, yeah, so originally our idea with uh, Mexico Mining Center was to. Uh Provide a, uh, a mining directory of the companies that were active in Mexico. And uh, part of developing that directory, we had to track the uh, press releases and see who was uh, reporting on activities here. So it wasn't an easy process. It was a real time consuming, uh, tedious process to do so. But we started collecting, we found a good system to really weed through all of the different press releases and to identify the companies and locate their Mexican subsidiaries, which is not always that easy to do. Then as we started moving forward with that, uh, we decided to put in an, an, a map. So we started collecting this huge database, which uh, is now being applied to the uh, artificial intelligence.
0: Now explain a little bit about that, Doug, because that was all, it was new to me, the subsidiary structure and, and how that works in Mexico. And it might be for our listeners that aren't familiar with with how mining works in Mexico, it might be interesting to hear about that.
1: To operate in Mexico, you have to operate either as a... Uh, Mexican national or as a Mexican company. And so an international company that comes to operate or do anything in Mexico either has to set up a Mexican subsidiary, which in reality is not viewed as a subsidiary company in Mexico. The company is independent. It's a Mexican corporation. And uh, it's not easy to find where those ties are between the mother company and, and the Mexican entity. Essentially, you have to have a Mexican entity to operate in Mexico, and uh, that, that makes sense. And, uh, and I believe there's still a requirement where a portion of the Mexican company should be owned by a Mexican national, and that may be as low as 1%. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, because I know that was something that people were really interested in when we launched that map was the ability to, to see who owns different properties, right, to see who it's registered to. Because also the properties are, are registered according to the initial leaseholder.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, in the government database, you can only see who the original owner was, who, who originally requested the concession.
0: Which doesn't really help you much. <laughs> no, <laughs> and
1: uh, there used to be uh, information that was available to the public where you could uh, look up the registry of each of the concessions and see who it changed hands to. That's uh, since COVID came in, uh, the government has been working on a hair string with very few people in the offices, and uh, that service is no longer available. Mm. So uh, now to be able to find out who actually owns a concession, you really need to hire a uh, mining lawyer who has the credentials who can go into the government office and and have access access to the files.
0: Right, which can become pretty intensive.
1: It can be intensive because these files are not all located in one location. Right you have uh, different regional offices. And uh, right now as well, the, the other complication in Mexico is that uh, a lot of the people that work in the uh, mining agency uh, are no longer the experienced people. A lot of the experienced people have either resigned or they've been laid off. And so we have a new group of people who really don't have much experience who are working in these offices now.
0: And, and is that um, because of political changes or?
1: I think it's uh, mostly the political changes yes
0: yeah <laughs> well speaking of political change there you know when uh, uh, for our listeners there's a lot of news coming out of Peru um, with the new party taking over in in Peru that is talking about big changes in corporate tax rates for mining companies in particular and I wonder if you've seen any any shift of interest from Peru to Mexico or any any impact from that
1: well we've certainly received a lot of uh, resumes from Peruvian geologists looking for work in Mexico now.
0: Because they're worried that investment will start to go down in Peru or business will, will decrease, I would imagine.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, there's one uh, Peruvian company in particular. It was just Hochschild, Hochschild uh, Mining. And it's a, a Jewish Peruvian company. And uh, they're particularly concerned about the politics and uh, they view Mexico as paradise right now.
0: Yeah, so you might see capital as well as people moving over from peru into mexico
1: yeah we have an interesting situation here with morena having uh, the leading political party it's a uh, left-leaning uh, political party uh, with uh, president lopez obrador uh, who we call amlo he kind of panders to the left side of of his party to his grassroots supporters but at the same time he's uh, pretty pragmatic and he uh really hasn't harmed the industry like people expected would have happened
0: okay so maybe a lot of a lot of rhetoric perhaps but not not actually making any any actual moves against the industry
1: yes absolutely a lot of big talk and he'll he'll make these big fiery statements it looks like he's just uh, fighting tooth and nail against uh international mining companies uh who are coming in to rob the natural resources of mexico and he got out one day and he says uh Anyone who gives away a nat- natural resources to a foreign company is a traitor. But uh, nobody's giving anything away. So uh, that didn't really…
0: <laughs> Selling it.
1: <laughs> it was kind of an empty <laughs> thing. It sounded really impressive, but it really wasn't a threat. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And in Mexico as well, the, the states hold a, a pretty strong position in terms of the mining industry as well, right? It's not all dictated at the federal level in Mexico. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, and uh, one of the things that AMLO did which uh, disturbed the mining community was uh, to eliminate the subsecretary of mines, which was the uh, government organization that was kind of the uh, the liaison between the mining community and the government. So when he eliminated the subsecretary of mines and the idea of uh, cutting back on unnecessary costs, it uh, inspired his supporters and it scared away mining investment. But what he did, and secretly, is he decentralized the uh, mining secretary, subsecretary of mines, and he formed a new division called um, the Secretary of Mine Development uh, with its offices in Chihuahua. And they perform the same functions, but they do it very quietly, and they don't make any announcements, but they're actually very supportive of the industry.
0: But it hasn't, like you said, it, it hasn't seemed to, to impact or negatively impact investment over the last few years, at least. Things are still...
1: No, it's it's not affecting investment because the investors are you know, they're disgusted with some of the things he says in public, but they do look over the facts, and when they look at the facts, they see that uh, it's not bad. Yeah. For example, there was a uh, there's a copper uh, cobalt mine that's operating in in Baja California near Santa Rosalia called El Boleo. and just prior to some elections that took place back in June. AMLO got out there to Santa Rosalia, and he says that he was canceling the uh, permit for the mine to expand operations. So this is a a mining operation, in effect, and AMLO just canceled their permits uh, for no obvious reason. And uh, he came out as being really against mining, and and, uh, he fired up his base of supporters. But uh, a few weeks later, I spoke to the uh, director of mine development, who told me that uh, he was just back from a trip to Santa Rosalia. And I said, oh, really? He <laughs> says, uh, how did things go over there? Oh, they, go, they went fine. Thinking he's there to, like, shut
0: it down, right? Yeah,
1: the elections were over. So quietly, without making any public announcements, they decided to let the local uh, people decide whether the mine would move forward or not. And so AMLO had canceled an operation, which would have reduced the mine life by 10 years and would have eliminated over 3,000 jobs. And... Uh, of course, the locals wanted to have that mine in operation and had all of its environmental permits in place and everything was authorized. So they haven't said anything in public, but the mine is going forward.
0: I think that's what makes it so important when people are evaluating a jurisdiction, perhaps that they're going to invest in or buy stock in a company that's operating in. There are always these nuances to what's going on in the country that the mine or the exploration project.
1: Mexico is a difficult place in a lot of ways for new people coming into the country because it's, uh, it seems like they have a lot of regulations, but uh, nobody seems to know which regulations are the good ones. <laughs> 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 yeah, and the, the person you talk to, whoever you talk to, will tell you something different. So you don't really know who to believe.
0: Well, and in general, do you, what, do you, what would you say about the perception of the mining industry in Mexico? Is it generally positive or
1: negative? Or Well, here in the northern part of the country, it's generally positive. When I first came to Mexico, uh, a geologist asked me if I'd like to see a, mi- a map of all of the mines in Mexico. And I said, I'd love to see one. I says, where do you? Where can I get one? And he says, you can buy it at any store or along here uh, at the Oxo. Oxo's a, like a local 7-Eleven here in, in Mexico. He says, just go there. And he says, they have... Uh, maps uh, where you can find out where all the location of all the mines in northern mexico and i said really and then he says yeah it's just a highway map and every place you see a black dot with the name of a town next to it there's a mine right there <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was right uh, really all of northern mexico was uh, uh settled and founded by mines So it's uh, fairly common here in Mexico still to find uh, rich mining deposits right off the highway.
0: And do you think that that helps on the exploration side as well? Because there's certainly a lot of exploration activity that's going on.
1: Well, there's a lot of exploration and there's so many factors to go into play as to whether or not a deposit is discovered and later developed into a mine. It's just amazing to come across uh, these rich deposits that are right on the surface that are, I mean, uh, one of the major mining projects in the country right now is uh, uh, Visla Silver's uh, Panuco project down in Sinaloa. And uh, that's right on the highway that goes between uh, Mazatlan and Durango, the old Devil's Spine Highway. And that was the only connection uh, for 600 miles north or south, or at least going north anyway, uh, to cross the Sierra Madre. So you had to cross uh, from Mazatlan up into Durango so nearly every geologist in the country at one point or another uh, crossed uh, right through the middle of their project. And now uh, their main uh, vein, I think, is only about uh, 50, mi- 50 meters from the highway. So, I mean, these uh, people just go right by some of these major deposits without ever noticing them. And other discoveries like uh, Hazira Minerals, an Australian company that was operating here in Sonora, uh, they found the Alacran project, which is within view of the Cananea copper mine which uh Cananea is one of the uh, largest copper mines in the world and world class deposit the largest copper mine in Mexico and uh, you can see the uh, mine in the background and uh, they found a uh, an outcrop with 2 kilos per ton silver right on the surface so they have a uh, just sitting there and uh, geologists have walked over that time after time and in fact uh, they presented that discovery in one of the conferences one of the our discoveries conference and i remember uh, one of the speakers who was there uh, actually kind of slunk, slunk down in his chair while they were talking about that discovery. and He told me later, he says that uh, he was actually one of those geologists who walked over that ground and oh, didn't think no. of looking for silver. <laughs> 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 he, he was looking for copper.
0: <laughs> but that's such a common thing in the industry, right? If people go out and, and they're looking for one thing, you can literally stumble across something completely different than what you're looking for and miss it, right? I mean, there are so many stories like that in the mining industry.
1: And generally, you don't see something if you're not looking for it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the quote (laughs) of the podcast, Doug. (laughs) So so the key takeaway is look for everything, right? Yes, you have to have an
1: open mind. Don't be stuck on a theory or a model or deposit model. Uh, uh, Nearly uh, all deposit models were formed were modeled after deposits that were discovered.
0: Not the other way around.
1: Not the other way around. Very few deposits are found uh, off of the models.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so what, you must have some some fun stories then of uh, of doing work in Mexico. Is Is there one maybe you could share?
1: I can tell one fun story. Uh, I was working with a, uh, a company and an Englishman who was an investor, was down here in Mexico with us and, uh, we went to a remote town up in the Copper Canyon area, a place called Temoris Chihuahua. This is a beautiful town. It's right along the uh, Chihuahua Pacific Railroad. There's a beautiful waterfall right there at the train station. You uh, leave in the station, you climb a thousand meters up the canyon, cliffs up to the top, and uh, you're in a pine forest. And there's, uh, that's where the town is actually located. So anyway, this investor was up looking at some properties around the Temoris area, and I was taking him there to show it to him. When he had to uh, return quickly to make it to a, a meeting, he had a meeting within the next day or so. So I said, "No problem, we can uh, catch a ride real quick down to the train station, and uh, and the train always comes in late." I said, "So we can we have time. We can talk to one of the local prospectors. And there's actually an American prospector who lives here, and he has a pretty nice uh, project. I'd like to, uh, I'd like you to meet him." So we're talking to this prospector when all of a sudden he says, "Oh, you guys are." going out on the train aren't you and, he, and we said yes and he says well uh i think i hear the train arriving right now and it, there it was it was pulling into the station and so we had to take off running and we were running all the way uphill to try to get to the train and i made it to the train right as it was pulling out of the station and i could have jumped onto the caboose but uh my <laughs> partner was behind and he would have been left behind so uh we let the train go <laughs> well my friend he was really upset. And he says, uh, how is this possible? You told me the train arrives late every day and this time it came early. You know, how, how is it possible that it came early? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, maybe it's yesterday's train. <laughs> 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 but, uh, he wasn't happy about that at all. And so, uh, he was sitting over there really upset with me and he was going to miss his meeting. And at that time, uh, a motor with a caboose came uh, racing into the station and they were checking the train tracks along the way. So I asked the uh, the train uh, driver there I said, "Well, can can we uh, jump on board?" asked the engineer and he says, uh, "Sure. Come on board. We're going down to Los Mochis." <laughs> so I told Adam, "Jump on board. Here we we've, we've got a ride." So we yeah. had we had the caboose to ourselves. We had bunk beds, we had coffee pot and, uh, and a small the radio with with music.
0: It was like the VIP train.
1: Yes, exactly. And he says he couldn't even believe it, but the music they had on their little uh, tape tape player was from some obscure English group from back in the early 70s. And he says, I can't believe I'm hearing this group uh, here in Mexico.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh.
1: And, And we passed by the passenger train, left them way behind, and made it to our destination in record time.
0: Oh, that's funny. I can I can picture that in my head. I can see that like it's a movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Always have adventures.
1: You always talk about the melting pot in the United States, but Mexico is a melting pot as well. You look at uh, the northern Mexican music with the uh, accordion, for example. That uh, is actually from Germans. Oh, is it? Yes, it's all related to the breweries. The Germans established the breweries in northern Mexico and, and brought the music with them.
0: Oh, see, it all comes back to alcohol, too.
1: Yes, it goes back to alcohol, back to the rocks again. we? Uh, it's the same story in Sinaloa. The Germans established the Pacifico Brewery and brought in the Umpa band with the uh, tubas and uh, and all of the uh, music that now is typical music of Sinaloa.
0: Yeah, when you're there on the beaches, the, the bands go by on the beach and play at every hotel and stuff as they go along, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, mariachi, the, the, mo- the most typical music of Mexico, that's uh, from uh, the French uh, term mariage. It's a marriage band, a wedding band.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I know for me, uh, everywhere I've been in Mexico is so different from every other location. I mean, just the geography and the the terrain and the cities are so different. I think everybody does have a picture of like a, a Mexican desert, essentially, I think, in their head when they think Mexico, right? And especially if you fly into Mexico City for the first time, for me, it was like, wow, this is, everything's so green. (laughs) I mean, you're up in the mountains, and it's totally different than that that image you have.
1: Well, right now in the heat of the summer, even Sonora is green right now with the monsoon rains.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But uh, you get up into the mountains a little bit, and it just turns into a jungle, even here in Sonora.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But you're right. uh, Every region of Mexico has their own typical food, their culture. um, There's a lot of uh, indigenous uh, languages in different regions of the country. Uh, That's one of the things that I find fascinating about working in Mexico. Uh, It's always exciting. Yeah. The only thing you can be sure of here is that you'll have an adventure. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I would agree with that. Every every trip I've had to Mexico has certainly ended in an adventure or two.
1: Yeah, you'll have some stories to tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, I think that's such a fun part of our business, right? Doing, doing work in fun and interesting places where you do end up having adventures when you're out in the, the exploration and the mining business.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I first came down to Mexico. Uh, I was working on a master's degree in geology at the time. And uh, I got a call just by out of the blue. In fact, i uh, it's a strange story. It's almost as if fate called. But I plugged the phone into the phone jack, lifted up the receiver, and uh, the owner of the drilling company was on the other end of the line. It never rang.
0: So weird.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yes, in fact, I was, I was moving, and I went back to make a phone call. And that's why I had to plug it into the jack. But uh, I picked up the line, and he was on the line, and he says, uh uh, we're going to uh, Mexico. And I said, well, when are we going? And, and he says, he says, when are we going? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I jumped on board with a, a driller, uh, went down. Uh, we drove to de Chihuahua, in fact, the same town I was telling you about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was working there for about six weeks. Everything was going well. And uh, I made a call back to the owner of the drilling company. And he says, how are things going down there? And I said, they're going fine great he says uh, so what can i do for you and i said well uh i just forgot to ask you one thing i i, f- I forgot to ask how much i'm being paid for this <laughs> 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 and he just laughed and he says what i didn't tell you and i said no you never said anything about what i was getting paid and then you had asked
0: just, apparently right <laughs> i've
1: been there six weeks and i had no idea and so he just laughed and he still didn't tell me he says you'll be happy i said i'll make you happy
0: that's another quote. Just make sure you ask what you're getting paid earlier than six weeks. Into yeah, well,
1: the not end. always. Uh, sometimes uh, you know the job is uh, rewarding enough that you don't care what you're being paid.
0: You're going to get a lot of calls after that comment of people wanting to wanting to offer you positions. I think.
1: Oh yeah, so. well, that's <laughs> happened before. I, <laughs> I'm busy right now.
0: <laughs> that, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so yeah, and you, I mean you've got the discoveries conference coming up in early October, right yes, that's So that'll right. be exciting. You, you held it last year, but I think you're expecting a, a larger crowd this year, I would imagine.
1: Yes, uh, we were the only uh, uh, face-to-face mining conference of the year uh, during the COVID pandemic, which was a very uh, challenging, very uh, stressful situation. But we held it with all of the health protocols. We took all the security measures. And it was uh, a safe event for all who participated. And in fact, uh, we were even uh, acknowledged by uh, President AMLO, President López Obrador. He gives a talk, uh, a boring talk every morning. But in one of his talks, he uh, actually mentioned us by name and said that we had done a, a, an excellent job. And he was very proud that we were able to hold a physical event during, this, uh, during these trying times. So that was nice.
0: Yeah, that was nice. Even if it was, if you're saying it was boring up until he mentioned your name, then it got oh, exciting. Well, that,
1: that was the only part that I found interesting in what he had to say. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, awesome uh, he's not known for being a, a very enthusiastic speaker. He uh, speaks very slowly, and uh, you, you can speed up his uh, his recordings, and he's still speaking slowly.
0: <laughs> to the one and a half times. Yes, summer. exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad he gave you a shout out and recognized the hard work that you guys were doing. Yes, he That's did,
1: great. and that was uh, very much appreciated. And uh, we were, we felt really nice that uh, we were actually recognized by the president uh, for what we had done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is that is great. And it, along the lines of that, you know, with what you have mentioned about some of the politics and the and the situation in Mexico with the high level of interest. Is there anything that you think investors should keep in mind or, or be looking for if they're evaluating an investment in Mexico or a project in Mexico?
1: Well, I think it's just the uh, normal things you have to be careful about. Uh, you just need to uh, be sure that you're investing in the people. There's plenty of projects here. There's good projects, but the best projects uh, aren't worth much if you don't have the right people. So uh, you're best to look at people who've had a good track record, who have a good reputation, and it have uh, some experience in Mexico.
0: Yeah, it's important to have the experience in Mexico.
1: Yes, it's a big learning curve. And that's part of the thing that uh, we saw as a motivation for establishing a mining service company which we just put together this this year. And uh, that's to uh, kind of help facilitate people to move forward more quickly and uh, on solid ground and and uh, help them jump past that that uh, learning curve that takes it's so expensive and time-consuming to go through mistake after mistake until you figure out how to do things. So if you can get to uh, somebody who's trustworthy who can help guide you along, at least uh, direct you towards towards the right groups, then uh, you're far ahead of the game by doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would I would echo that. And then I guess I've been I've been ending my last few podcasts with the same question, Doug. So if you could wave a magic wand and bring one innovation or change to the industry what would you love to see happen in the mining industry
1: huh, wow <laughs> well i'd like to see uh, uh the industry boom which i think is uh, coming to be a reality soon looking at it from a contractor's perspective uh the price of drilling needs to uh, to rise if, uh, the the uh, Drilling contractors are operating for less money than they uh, operated back in the early 90s. In spite, uh, in spite of that, uh, all, over the last 30 years, everything has gone up in price, and they're still at the same price per meter.
0: Really? Wow.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of competition, but the competition is not going to last very long if they don't make a profit of what they're doing. You know, I'm looking forward to this boom being a good boom for everyone in the industry.
0: Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? They say a rising tide lifts all ships.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, I will cheers to that. Cheers to a boom in the industry. And thank you for coming on the rocks, even if you did drink a latte instead of a cocktail. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I look forward to seeing you at the discoveries conference in person um, in October. We'll, we'll certainly be there and look forward to having you back on the podcast soon.
1: Well, Discoveries is certainly uh, shaping up to be the uh, business networking event of the year for the Mexican mining industry. And uh, we're gaining a lot of steam. Uh, We're getting uh, a lot of excitement here. And and this year, we're having it in the mining capital of Mexico, which is Hermosillo Sonora.
0: Yeah.
1: It'll it'll be a a great event. And I think you'll meet a lot of great people there.
0: And I'm bound to have some adventures.
1: And you're bound to have some adventures. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Cheers, Doug. Thanks so much for coming on. All
1: right. Thank you. Thank you a lot. It's nice to see you.
0: Thank you to our guest and my colleague, Doug Coleman, for joining us for this episode of On the Rocks. To learn more about Doug and the Mexico Mining Center, go to MexicoMiningCenter.com and check them out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. For more about Prospector, go to ProspectorPortal.com or check us out on Instagram at ProspectorAI and LinkedIn at ProspectorPortal. Portal. Thanks for joining us on the rocks. Until next time, keep your glasses full and your ice cold. Cheers.